This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, praise the Lord. I know God's doing some things. I know there's different testimonies about healings and miracles, and God's just working, so don't quit. Don't give up on the things of God. I I really believe we're in a season in our, our time right now where Christians, you're, you're going to be persecuted. And the persecution is going to come to find out who really is part of the kingdom of God. The Bible is very clear in Matthew 24. It says that as lawlessness abounds, the love of many will begin to wax cold. And he was talking about believers. So keep serving God. Serve God with all your might and all your heart. And don't compromise your convictions. You know, I, I said this on Sunday morning about Billy Graham. Let me quote exactly what I said. I misquoted it a little bit the other day. He said, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's our job to walk in love. And I think that's the key. That we just continue walking in love, allow the Holy Spirit to convict, and, and allow God to be the judge. And we'll be all right. God will take care of every one of us. Go with me to Acts chapter 19. Acts 19. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit here. We're going to dive right on into it tonight. Got some truths that we're going to hit really good this week. And then uh, two weeks from tonight, I'm going to hit it really, really hard. I'm in the process of really studying some of this stuff out. And it is, it is really good. And so I want to be very accurate with what I preach. So it's taking me a little bit of time on this one in some areas. Acts 19, verse number 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth... That Paul, having passed through the upper region, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Uh, Many translations says for disciples, it said he found some believers. Some ones that believed in Jesus is what this is talking about. Verse 2 of Acts 19. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you got born again? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, their knowledge about the Holy Spirit was defective. There was no knowledge because they said, we ain't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? And what I, I find to happen with human beings, whether it's you or me, anything that I don't have knowledge about, anything that I don't understand, I'm usually against That's just human nature. And so in this sense, they said, we've not even heard about the Holy Spirit. Verse 3. And Paul said to them, into what then were you baptized? Interesting question. So they said to him, in John's baptism. Now, John's baptism was the baptism in water, but it was more so of that of repentance. And so when they went down to be water baptized, and when me and you go down to be water baptized, it's a it's an illustration or it's symbolic of washing my sin away and I come back up. So right here, they clarify. And he said to them, what thing were you baptized? They said unto him, John's baptism. Now, if we keep reading this, you'll begin to see right here that the apostle Paul wasn't against John's baptism. He loved the thought of water baptism. Keep reading, verse 4. Then Paul said, John indeed baptism with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him 
who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And so he clarifies right here what you or how you get born again. You confess Jesus as Lord of your life. You seal what you believe by being water baptized. It's important to be water baptized. It's a good thing. Verse 5. And so when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, as I begin to read this, and I looked at several uh, translations here, you know what happens here? They get re-baptized. They get re-water baptized. This is the only place in the New Testament that I can find that this took place. Now, I believe it's biblical right here by saying that, that maybe you were water baptized at a real young age. When you didn't even know why you were doing it. Your mom and daddy said you get your little bottom up there and get baptized in water. And so you did it, but you didn't understand it. So I, I just say that to say this here in, in about a month, probably four weeks, we're going to baptize again right out here on the front lawn. We have so many of these teenagers, when they come back from camp, they want to be water baptized. We're going to do that. Any adults that want to be water baptized, we're going to water baptize you. Or are we going to rebaptize if that's your desire? You're more than welcome to do that. And if we rebaptize you, we're going to hold you under a long time. We're going to really get you washed off this time. So you see right here, Paul wasn't against water baptism. He got them born again where they received Jesus as Lord, and then he water baptized them. But he didn't stop there. Now look what happens in verse 6. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. This was the same outward manifestation that you see on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And so there was more to being a Christian than being just saved and water baptized. Now listen, I'm not downplaying that at all. Actually, the only prerequisite I can find for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is you have to be born again. But understand this, according to what took place here with the Apostle Paul, he said, we got to get you born again, we got to get you baptized, and then we got to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what has happened here with the Holy Spirit is we've gotten into two ditches, I believe, as the church. This ditch over here has downplayed the Holy Spirit or literally even dismissed it and said, no more, no more. But this side over here jumped into this ditch and it was to the degree we wanted to duplicate the things that happened in our own abilities. It was almost like we were forcing God to say, this is what we're going to do. And when mankind does that, you know what happens? It gets crazy. It gets goofy. It gets weird. It's a bunch of granola Christians. They're nutty and flaky. How many of you have ever seen that? I saw it for years in my life. And so right there's what happened. Instead of coming to the middle ground like God wants us to, we're either in this ditch or we're in this ditch, and both of them have uh, done great harm to the church. So the goal tonight is to let us see biblically, God wants us to to be right in the middle ground. He wants us to follow his heart on this. Now, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Now, we'll just be biblically New Testament taught here tonight. 
Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all in agreement. They were had harmony leading to action. Now, when it says the day of Pentecost had fully come, this, this is an interesting word, this word Pentecost. Because at times, we as the church, as Christians, we've identified people in our own minds with certain t- terminology. Like, you know, if you say John the Baptist, well, people think, well, I'm a Baptist because I've been water baptized. Well, I'm not a Baptist and I've been water baptized. But in this word here, it's a word a lot of people will say, well, I'm Pentecostal. And when you hear someone say you're Pentecostal, some will say, great, and others will go, dear God, get them away from me. I I don't want to associate with you. But to really understand Pentecost and, and the Feast of Pentecost, which is in Leviticus 23, the word Pentecost, it means penta, means five. Costa or costa in the Greek means to the tenth power. So that word Pentecost literally means... 50. That's all that word means is 50. So I'm afraid of 50. It's almost how we've done. Now, let me explain a little bit what this means here, the 50. When Jesus rose from the grave, he walked this earth for 40 days. And after the 40 days, he ascended into heaven. That's when Jesus told the disciples, he said, boys, wait for the promise of the father. That's what took for the next 10 days. And so on the 50th day after Jesus' resurrection, this is when the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost. Now, how does that relate to the Old Testament? Well, that's what you're going to find out here in two weeks. In the Old Testament uh, feast, there were seven feasts. Three in the spring, one in the summer, and three in the fall. In the, the spring feast... The Feast of Unleavened Bread was one of the main ones. The Feast in Summer was the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest, or the Feast of Pentecost. You know, that just happened a few weeks ago. It actually just happened. Then the Feast in the Fall was the Feast of of Tabernacle or the Feast of Trumpets. And so when you see the feast, they were required to come to all seven. But the three major feasts, was that of unleavened, was that of the Feast of Weeks or Harvest, and the Feast of Trumpets. And so when that feast would take place, the Jews from all over the world, it was an international audience, they would flock to Jerusalem. And so when we read this right here, you know where it was? It was at the Feast of Weeks right there in the middle of the summer. You know what the date was at that? It was 50 days after Passover. Seven Sabbaths and a day to the T. And so when you look at that there, the the feasts that took place in the Old Testament were just shadows of everything that Jesus would do. The first feast, the the first three in the spring were about uh, salvation. They were about redemption. The feast in the middle was about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which had to do with the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The feast in the fall, you know what it's about? It's about the second coming of Jesus, the rapture. And so you're going to hear this a bunch here lately. So this is really what Pentecost means. So there you go. That's just kind of in a nutshell. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them. Who's the them? 
the disciples. It appeared to them as tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. One set upon each of them. Now, I personally believe this, that if me and you would have been there that day, we'd experience the same thing they did. This was prophesied by John the Baptist right here. You say, where was that at? Let me read this to you. This is, and you're welcome to turn there. You can just reference it. Luke chapter 3, verse 16. Listen to what John the Baptist said. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I, Jesus, is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What John prophesied is exactly what took place. Now again, you see this guy named John, the one who water baptized people. He didn't say, whatever you do, don't let him baptize you with fire. Don't let him. No, he didn't say that. Actually, he encouraged it. So when we look about the two words that it uses in there, the first one it says, it appeared to them divided tongues. What's your tongue used for? Not to gossip, that's wrong. My tongue is used to communicate. My tongue is used for speech. My tongue is used to praise and worship God. And so he did something with their tongue, and then it talked about, Fire. Now you'll hear in a couple weeks that when Moses went on the mountain in Mount Sinai, he was met with fire. Here the Holy Spirit comes in during this same time frame and he comes in with fire. Now think about fire just for a minute. Fire can be good and fire can be bad. It can be good in the sense that you can cook with it. It can be bad from the sense it can burn your house down. But in this situation, I believe it's both good. Because fire is a purifier. Fire will cause the the pure things to come to surface. That's what God wants every one of us. He wants the, the things of heaven just to come to surface in our life and we live them. The other thing that fire does is it burns up the impurities. It burns up the yuck. Think about this in a sense when you boil water. Why would you boil water? To get rid of all the germs, to get rid of all the junk in it. How do you boil water? Well, you got to have fire. And so fire, even in that sense, it burns up the impurities. Now, I believe in my own life, this is exactly what happened to me. I don't get born again till my, I'm late 19 or early 20. For, for 20 years of my life, I hadn't had nothing to do with God. I didn't even know there was a God. And I give my heart to Jesus. I get water baptized. I'm living in Oklahoma with my brother, and five days a week, I'm going to this Bible class that starts at 10 in the morning, and it gets out at noon. Every day I go, and I'm sitting there, and I hear this man, he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. So I was very similar to the disciples in Acts 19, when they said, we hadn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Well, that was me. Holy who? Holy what? So Monday, I hear this guy with a sixth grade education. He talks about the Holy Spirit. Tuesday comes, Wednesday comes, Thursday comes. And I keep gaining knowledge. Now, remember, I said a minute ago, anything that you don't understand, you're against. That's why it's important you see the Bible. You read the Word of God and let the Word of God teach you. Not man, let the Bible teach you. 
And so come Friday, I get filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what began to happen. That God literally began to burn up junk within me. In incredible pace. I mean, I could tell you a lot of certain habits I had in my life. And it was like God, he kept me under this continual blowtorch. Because I had a bunch of junk. And when I read this right here about how he filled them with, with the Holy Spirit and fire, something happens in a good way. Keep reading here. And they were all, every one of them, filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, when you read that right there, you find out that was all from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did that. He came upon each one of them, just like he wants to do with each one of us. Verse 5, keep reading. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now again, this was the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. So you got all these nationalities coming in there. Did you hear what he said? Jews from every nation. I I believe a lot of times we have this mentality that Jews aren't all of a different color skin. They are. They come from all over the world. How can you prove that? Well, I can tell you one right off the top of my head. Who was the guy who carried Jesus' cross? Simon the Cyrene, or Syrian. You know where he was from? Northern Africa. (laughs) Well, that's just a history lesson. Keep reading, verse 6. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because every word heard them speaking in his own language. Then they were all amazed, and they marveled, saying to one another, Look, are all these who speak Galileans? Now, I want to highlight Galileans because when Jesus ascended into heaven, it says that they sat there and watched him and looked, and these angels showed up, and they said, Why are you looking that way? And in Acts 1.11, it specifically says to the Galileans, so he was speaking to these disciples, What's significant that we understand about the Galileans, Galileans were known to not be educated people. Most of them. Why? Most of them were fishermen. And so when they saw that these were Galileans speaking, they realized, and these dudes have a hard enough time speaking one language, little known more than that. And so this, this perplexed them. They looked and said, how's this happening? Verse 8. How is that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now, I'm not going to read those next few verses because I'll butcher all those languages. But there's somewhere around 13, 14 languages in there, I believe. Now, watch what happens in verse uh, 11. Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, what's interesting here is these guys, they come out and they say, we hear these Galileans speaking in our native dialect, but the thing that brought them all together, they were all hearing them speak the wonderful things of God. Every one of them. And so because of this, it began to unite them in a credible way. When you read what took place right there in in the week of Pentecost or the day of Pentecost, 
It's a shadow of heaven. How is that, Pastor? What color skin do you think going to be in heaven? Every color skin, every nation, every tribe. Here's just a thought for you. How many languages do you think are going to be in heaven? Probably just one. Maybe. Who knows? We'll see. But everything took, that took place here brought unity. It caused them all to come together. Now go back one, one book to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Now watch how this all starts out. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, if you'll note, this, this was Jesus talking, and he commanded them to wait for the promise of the Father. He said, boys, don't do anything. So what was the promise of the Father? Verse 5. For John truly baptized with water... But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So literally, and you're going to see it, you're going to see it word for word here in a minute. But the promise of the Father was that of the Holy Spirit. So we go back and we think what Jesus said. He said, don't leave here until you receive the promise of the Father. Don't leave here until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now remember the Great Commission Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, to cast out devils in my name and they'll go. But before you do any of that, he said you got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. This was Jesus' words. This was Jesus' recommendation here. And if you'll note right there in, in, in verse 5, he talks about two baptisms. Water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit are different. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me all over the world. So when you read this, the focus here is on the mission of believers, which was what? To be witnesses, that he would empower me to be a witness. And in Jesus' words here, this is not going to be accomplished without the Holy Spirit. So you begin to get Jesus' heart in this. He's like, guys, you got to get filled with the Spirit of God. So we go to Acts 2 there, and we saw where the disciples get filled with, with the Spirit of God. So then, the, the middle of Acts 2, there's this guy named Peter who had a problem that he, he talked too much. Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth. But Peter begins to speak to all these people. And he quotes word for word the prophet Joel, what Joel said in, in, in Joel 2. And he, he spoke with clarity. He spoke with accuracy. He spoke with boldness so much that I, I think the other apostles probably looked and said, that's got to be the Holy Spirit. It's gotta, we know him. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. The only explanation we can give is the Holy Spirit. See, that's like many of us. When people look at you and say, and you're different. You're doing this and this and this and this. The only explanation. I got born again. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 verse 33. So Peter's been preaching to him, And he tells them about they were witnesses to Jesus. And in verse 33 it says, Therefore being exalted to the right hand of God. 
And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's the fulfillment right there of Acts 1-4. Do you see what he just said? Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. So there's no doubt in our minds now, biblically, that the promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit. And, and Peter goes on to say, watch this. He poured out this which you now see and hear. In other words, Peter spoke with that boldness and they're looking like, this is the Holy Spirit. This is what's happening. So Peter speaks all this to him. Look at verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were stung. They were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Get born again. How do you get born again? You repent of your sins. You ask Jesus to come in your heart. So the very first thing Peter tells them and the disciples, boys, you got to get born again. We got to lead you to the Lord. But look at the last part of verse 38. And... And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he's really weird. He's really crazy. Not. He didn't say any of that. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So what you see on the day of Pentecost... Twelve of them got filled with the Holy Spirit. Not long after that, 120 of them get filled with the Holy Spirit. They get born again. Not long after that, 3,000. And that's been God's design forever. That the people that get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, we start evangelizing the world. Now this may sound shocking to you right now, but in this thing called the world, 40 million people are getting born again every week right now. That statistic just came out. 40 million people. Remember, the harvest is plentiful. And so the design of the Holy Spirit, guys, was he wanted to empower us to be witnesses. And when you look at this, when they said, what do we do when it cut them to heart? He gave him the very answer in verse 38, and it's never changed. Repent, get born again, and get filled with the Holy Spirit. I've said this in my own life. The three smartest things I've ever done is I gave my heart to Jesus. I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I married Shelly. Tell you, it makes you look brilliant. Sometimes. So now we go back tonight to, the, the, to the, the, the three major feasts we talked about. So the feast of Passover, the sacrificial lamb, the blood that was slain in the broken body. What did that have to do with? That had to do with salvation. That whole feast in the beginning had to do with salvation. How do we see that? Well, remember this, guys. When the angel of death came... The only thing that would save them was the blood of Jesus. 
So that initial feast there in, in the spring has to do with salvation. Can you partake of salvation right now? Yeah, who can? Anyone. How do we know that? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So every one of us in this room can get saved right now. Then we go to the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost in there, and it is literally about the harvest of their crops, which relates to me and you, the end-time harvest. 40 million a week. We're seeing it happen. Then we go to the Feast of Trumpets in the fall. How is Jesus going to come back? Not with a violin. With a trumpet. You're going to hear that trumpet blast. And you know what that means? That we will go to heaven with Jesus. We will be raptured right out of here. Now let me ask you this. Can you experience the rapture today? Well, not in theory that I'm getting out of here today. But if Jesus came today, we would be out of here. And you know what? If I die before Jesus comes back, I'm still going to get experienced the rapture. So guess what? According to the spring feast and the fall feast, I can partake of both of those. What about the feast in the middle of the summer? The feast of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Every one of us can partake of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, he starts changing the way I think. And God's design was this. He said, in the Old Testament, I'll lead my people by the law. But in the New Testament, I'll lead my people by the Spirit. Romans 8.14 says that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. It didn't say those with high IQs. Didn't say those with college degrees. It said those ones that are led by the Spirit of God. How do I learn to be led by the Spirit of God? i got to hang out with Him. I got to welcome into my day. Romans 8, 16 says, the spirit of God bears witness with my spirit. The spirit of God will join with my spirit. See, this is how God has chose to move with us. Remember, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, man is three parts, spirit, soul, and body. God contacts me through my spirit. This thing right here, It's going to decay. It's going to rot. This isn't what you're going to see in heaven. This is what I like to refer to as my earth suit. God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth from my heart. And so I'm not trying here to be a salesman tonight. I just want you to see that these disciples, these Galileans, these fishermen begin to turn the world upside down and through the power of the Holy Spirit they begin to see the multitudes going again and not only did they see the multitudes remember they begin to see the manifestations that Jesus did they laid hands on the sick and they begin to respond they begin to cast out devils they begin to do those things under the unction of the Holy Spirit and you may not have known this But everything that Jesus did was with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to this earth as a man. He was a man just like me and you. When you see him referenced while he was on earth, the majority of the reference refer him to as the son of man. 
Acts 10.38 said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all those that were pressed of the devil. The Holy Spirit operated in Jesus. And so Jesus' recommendation to me is you. He said, don't depart from Jerusalem until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You got to have him. It's the same to this day. Understand, guys, don't dismiss him. He's not weird. People are weird. He's a perfect gentleman and stuff. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's refreshing to be able to spend time with him. Just to pray. Now, you're going to keep hearing these things for the next couple of weeks. To say, man, Lord, I need you. I welcome you. I ask you to come into my heart. Well, what happens if I get filled with the Holy Spirit and I go to Walmart and I grab the speaker and start speaking in tongues? That's not going to happen. How do you know that? Because it becomes my will. My will comes into play. The Holy Spirit will not override my will. When I hear people say, I couldn't stop it. You could stop it. But when I just yield to the Holy Spirit and say, live to me. He's not going to do anything to embarrass you. I promise you that. But something begins to happen. Why don't you stand up with me here? Well, you guys are quiet. See, I just got to keep hearing the scriptures on this. And keep hearing the scriptures. You know, years ago, there was a, a man that, and I encourage you to read the book. His name is Francis Chan. And he has a book called The Forgotten God. And Christians will talk about the Holy Spirit in theory, but how many of us have a relationship with him? How many of us actually invite him to lead me by the Spirit of God? How many of us invite him to say, bear witness with my Spirit? I welcome you today. And, and we've read over and over, guys, remember, where the, the secret things, the deep things of God, God said the only way they're revealed is through the Spirit of God. He's the only one that knows. Wow. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.